The following podcast is brought to you by cdkoffers.com. Use offer code DIESHRING for 3% off everything on the website and Broken Silicon for 25% off all Windows codes. All right, on with the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a computer gaming hardware podcast. I almost screwed that up. Dan's smiling right now because I almost just completely stumbled through the intro. I am your host, exhausted as usual, Tom. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I think, you know, this is, there were a couple issues getting the final video that came out on March 3rd, looking at the 6700 XT reveal. I'm very proud of that video, by the way. I think it, it turned out great. Um, recommend that to anyone who hasn't watched that yet. But there were some issues getting it done and uploaded properly. So we've been forced to start a couple hours late again. And I mean, I don't know. How are you doing? Pretty good. My life would be slightly better if like uploading stuff onto YouTube didn't constantly get screwed up for seemingly no reason. No, but I haven't had any issues with YouTube for months. So it's just right now. And it wasn't just that, by the way, there was something with exporting the video that held us up, I'd say, an extra 20 minutes too. Eh, that's pretty fun. I there were multiple parts of the supply chain in getting the goddamn video done that <laughs> screwed it up, we shall say. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it happens from time to time. Such is life, Tom. Such is life. And, you know, I think that's that's got to be about it in terms of the intro banter because we are starting super late after getting a long video out as well on the same day. So I think let us just get into it. Let's do it. The warm up reader mails here. So amiable chief writes in and says, given NVIDIA's diabolical brilliance at playing the market, could you please lay down the edict to refer to Jensen as Count Spatula from here on out? Um, well, I don't think that's diabolical. That would infer that of course, the joke is all of the spatulas, which he yeah. just has. I mean, let's be honest. It's this, you know, BS. Well, he has a modern decor thing. That's, I mean, true. He could just be flexing how many, like in the backgrounds of his kitchen, which isn't even his house, by the way. It's like a guest house, just so people know. Um, he, in his guest house or whatever, he has about a hundred spatulas in a vase or something, which on the one hand, I assume is some kind of, interior modern interior decorating thing like you know those annoying things you see in bathrooms that say anchors away because now we have to pretend we're around an ocean because we're in the bathroom it's that it's like look at all these spatulas you're in a kitchen did you forget you're in a kitchen well and if that's his guest house one must assume that there are more spatulas in the kitchen of his main house so i'm assuming his house is just filled with spatulas tom that's right what if there's just that many spatulas because he thought I like spatulas so much, and we have to have at least more spatulas in the kitchen than the living room. I mean, you have to have more spatula. You have to have more kitchen spatulas than living room spatulas. Like, that's that's just one of the core tenets of interior design. Yeah, you can have yes. 50. It's like rule spatulas, number two. I would say rule number one. But Yeah. But... Uh, but what I would also say, though, is now that we've gotten that out of the way, establishing the spatula reference, I think the problem with what you asked us 
amiable chief is, is you said he's diabolical. So call him Count Spatula. You're kind of inferring that anyone who's a count is a bad guy. Now, I know that's probably common in books, but I'm sure there's good counts out there. There And this is a really big insult to other counts. Yeah, and there are a lot of counts out there that still exist that are totally plugged into the modern internet. They're definitely not just disconnected. I'm sure one's listening right now. (laughs) If if a count listens to this podcast, I want that in the next corrections and omissions. I really do too. And like, I'm going to ask for proof. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm sure there are some good counts and we can't insult the entire count community. No, that, I mean, it's it's insultative. So we have to. So you're on notice, amiable chief. Um, and speaking of corrections, though, as we mentioned 30 seconds ago, let us get in without further ado as well. Excellent segue to the corrections and omissions for this episode. So Tragaholic writes in and he says, hi, Tom, in Broken Silicon 88 at one hour, 26 minutes and 53 seconds. You said less cores where you should have said fewer cores. He's right. I feel like he's, I mean. <laughs> it's, Tom, should we have a uh, new corrections and omissions and then a grammar corrections section to the podcast? If we had one section of the podcast where all we did is like five grammar corrections in a row, I think half of our listeners would kill themselves. <laughs> Okay, we would put it like at the very, very end of the podcast, like after everything, just at, I guess we'll just have this here now, too. Yeah, um, I think not. Okay. But I mean, you're right, Tragaholic. You got me. I hope you're happy. TSPCFS writes in and says, I want it on the record that I didn't mean for my joke question about GDR6 to be a correction. I wanted the super... Secret details, we spelled secret wrong, so you're already on notice, uh, TSPCFS, about a new memory tech that doesn't actually exist. I shouldn't have read this question, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Tom, there is super secret memory tech that doesn't actually exist, and, you know, maybe you need to do a GDR6 uh, leak video at some point. And you just said, you uh, you probably intended to say GDR6, though, instead of GDDR6, didn't you? Yes, I, I did intentionally say it incorrectly there. And I can't decide as if I should work on fixing it or I or I should just double down and say it is quicker to say and everyone knows what I mean. So I'm just going to intentionally say it wrong moving forward. You know, I, uh, people pointed out that uh, when I said we always say it wrong, people did say you're usually not. And I'm standing behind. I think I think I am. And you just don't notice it because. It's the same vowel sound three times in a row. And if you cut it out once, you just don't notice. Like GDDR6, that it's it's too long to say. It's too it's too many E sounds in a row. I'm just saying GDR6, man. Yeah. Yeah, I also agree with you. I think we do say it wrong most of the time. <laughs> like again, when I saw that correction, I was like, oh yeah, that's how I usually say it, actually, isn't it? Yeah. And, and like I've said, I think it's I do think it's just due to the fact that it's three E sounds in a row. People don't pick up that you're usually not saying it. Crispy Bacon writes him and he says, read the 6700 X team pricing leak that came out Sunday. Almost. You said 
almost non-existent RTX 3070 Founders Edition. Tom, I'm going to have to back you up. Best Buy sees quite a large number of 3070 Founders Edition cards versus even AIB cards. It's the most popular 3070. You know, maybe it is at Best Buy, but the volume numbers I saw, at least for the quarter four of Ampere, was like, I don't even want to put a percentage on it. It was minuscule. So I guess what I will say is maybe it's there now, but it really was a very small minority, especially for the 3080. Yeah, and I don't know. I haven't been in a Best Buy lately. The closest one is like 30 minutes away, but I don't know if I'm in that Best Buy anytime soon. Maybe I'll pop in and see if there's 3070s anywhere. I doubt there will. There will not be. I've been to the Best Buy near my house. It's five minutes away, and there is never any graphics cards in stock. Well, I I think that's uh, that's should be expected because uh, it seems like the market you can't print enough, make enough graphics cards right now, and it doesn't even matter what the graphics card is. If it exists, it just seems like it's going to sell out right now. Well, on that note, Dan, I believe we should get to story number one. Story number one: AMD reveals the RX sixty seven hundred. XT. And again, I have a video out there. It's almost 20 minutes long. It goes through all of my thoughts on the reveal video. Um, actually, I think my, re- my analysis is longer than the reveal video itself. It was very to the point. But I do have a small write-up here before we get into our thoughts. So again, I, re- I, re- I recommend everyone watch that video and, and the original video as well. I mean, it moves quickly. It's, it's worth watching the AMD reveal video. Uh, but the write-up that I have for this reveal is such... On March 3rd, AMD exceeded expectations again by showing off a graphics card that outperformed most expectations of performance, and this time by a lot, at least in 1440p. Indeed, AMD only talked about 1440p in its 6700 XT reveal and foregoed mentions of anything having to do with 4K or DLSS. However, assuming the results AMD shared aren't cherry-picked and... We do have reservations about that. The 6700 XT's $480 price point now kind of makes sense. It makes sense, but that doesn't mean it's good. Outside of that, Moore's Law is that expects many more details about this car to emerge in the coming days. Oh, and smart access memory is coming to Zen 2. Yay. It's not like that should have been there at launch. That's my write-up. So yeah, what did you what did you what do you have to say about the reveal? I mean. So uh, what I would say about the reveal, like you have in your write-up there, we have reservations about if they this is cherry-picked. But assuming AMD is showing things in relatively good faith like they did last time with the... What, did they? Un, I don't even remember. Did they unveil the 6900 XT and the 6800 models at the same time? I think they did. Yeah, they so did. So if they showed it in the same good faith that they did that time, because I, I don't think that reveal they really... I mean, they clearly cherry-picked some stuff, but it was pretty clear when they were doing it. Like, it had Rage Mode activated in big letters when they were showing those 6900 XT benchmarks off. But assuming everything they were showing is accurate um, beyond what they showed, I think at $480, it's probably the best value proposition out there right now. If you can get it for that. Exactly. That's the other caveat. If you can get it for $480, which... They're saying they're going to be releasing, uh, there's going to be a lot of them released to the market. I have my doubts that there will be enough to satiate demand, even if they release like 500,000 of them at launch or something. And I'm not suggesting that's the actual number, but I, I just, 
I, I don't know what uh, what quantity of cards will satiate demand at this point. So I'm I'm betting within a couple weeks at most, or in probably even before that, maybe probably a couple days, we'll see these things selling for five fifty six hundred dollars. I mean, the thirty sixty was selling for inflated prices. I think on eBay before it technically launched, or like the day it did. Um, I think it may have. I think it may have been <laughs> before it technically launched somehow. Actually, um, I mean, that it, would just be people pre-ordering and then posting it on eBay, right? Not necessarily. I mean, like in terms of like the thirty sixty Ti, there were pictures of back rooms full of them from Eastern Europe, if I remember correctly, months before it came out. Oh, well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so I, I think it's plausible someone could have sold it before it's even technically released. Um, they, for some reason, that's happened around Ampere's launch. I don't remember this happening with previous graphics generations often. I, I could be entirely forgetting that, though. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there there's like a small degree of that happening all the time, but in bulk like that is weird. Yeah. Anyways, though, in terms of my impressions of the 6700 XT reveal, I don't want, I guess that's separated into two groups for this, for my thoughts. Number one is the actual presentation. You know, I thought, I mean, it's hilarious how much better AMD's presentation is now compared to five years ago. I mean, it, this was a very well done show that doesn't waste any time. I have to say they've gotten so much better at this. Um, But, you know, it was very clear from the start of the presentation that they wanted to talk about the price as little as possible and make themselves sound premium as much as possible. Like, I I think in the video I put, you see this guy driving using a 6700 XT. He's using it to drive past the repricing reveal as quickly as possible. (laughs) Because I remember they showed that driving and they're like, and here's the price. And anyways... Yeah, with, which is weird to me because I I think given the current market, $480 isn't bad for what it is. Once again, assuming that uh, the performance uh, continues to persist outside of 1440p and those like what six games they showed. But I, I mean, as far as they're trying to sell themselves as a premium brand, I mean, I think that is really important for them to do at this point because they've been they're really starting to capture that as being viewed as a premium brand. So they do have to show that off now. Because of Ryzen being perceived as the best gaming CPU lineup. So overall, the presentation was about trying to make you accept the price. I think there's two ways of looking at that. The first way is, you know, the normal, this is stupid, I hate this. Now this is 20% more than the 5700 XT will be in... I don't know, right? 25, 30% better. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it gives you more RAM. Um, on the other hand, I think there's an argument to be made. This is somewhat of a hot take. And I talked to someone else about it and he said, I was thinking the same thing. If AMD were to actually keep the street price like below 550 relatively often, then you could almost argue the MSRP is just them being more honest about the price. Like you can say, oh, good, the thirty sixty was three hundred and thirty dollars, but it wasn't. Yeah, and like what four people? <laughs> four people bought it at three hundred thirty dollars. Like all of the, I think there's one. Most people seem to have bought it around four hundred for four fifty, from what I can tell. Yeah, and I checked the prices on Newegg today, and obviously they're all out of out of stock now. 
But uh, I think there's one model that's still priced at 330. The rest are like four to four hundred fifty dollars on Newegg at this point. So you can say the MSRP is three hundred thirty dollars, but frankly, I don't even know what MSRP means anymore. Like, yeah, uh, Sony, Sony, and Microsoft they sell their consoles at the MSRP of five hundred dollars, and every legitimate outlet that sells. <laughs> that sells a PS5 and Xbox Series X or S is selling them for $500 or $300 yeah. in the case of the Series S. So yeah. what is MSRP? In, what does MSRP even mean in this market anymore? It, but you mean of, the PC do-it-yourself gaming market? Yeah, yeah. What does MSRP even mean in the DIY market? Because to me, it's a fever dream. Of, <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a thing that... Uh, they tell you the price is going to be so every review has to say it's $330. Which looking at the 30, 60 reviews, it's a little funny. They're like, they all just pretty much come out and say, we don't think you're going to be able to get this for $330, yeah. which I'm glad they're doing that. But they, you still have to address it. <laughs> you absolutely do. And and so I don't know. I, I think that is somewhat of a hot take you could have is just kind of pointing out like, well, Maybe AMD is just being more honest. And honestly, we're not going to know until like a month after it launches. That's the unfortunate thing. And it's going to come down to availability. And one thing I'd been talking about since honestly December or something, when it became clear availability was going to be a major problem for many of the upcoming months. I said, well, you know what? The 6700 XT's die size is about half that of the 6800 XT. So if it was up to me then, because all that matters is availability and people will pay extra, you just want as many cards as possible, period. And so hopefully they switch over as much capacity, even from Big Navi itself as possible. And they just say, you know what? We're going to make less of Big Navi and more of this because this is good enough for most people and people just want anything. Like they will take less performance as long as it's better than what you could get before. And they have successfully delivered something that I think is around the level of performance that you don't really need much more than that for the overwhelming majority of people, especially in 1440p, which is what most PC gamers seem to say, seem to use now. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is that's what I think they might do. And again, Guys, I'm not saying it's going to be easy to get this card, but I've heard some pretty radically higher shipment numbers, maybe not the first week, but in a month or two from now. It does sound like AMD is planning to send far, far more. And in fact, AMD told some people like Hardware Unbox that themselves, which I find interesting because there's no benefit in talking about availability because either way, it's going to be hard to get. And so people will just get mad at you if you can't get it. So I find it really interesting that not only am I being, am I hearing that they are shipping far, far more than before, but that they're telling people they are. So they must have some level in confidence that they will ship a decent amount for what the market needs if they're talking about it? Or do you think I'm wrong to say that? Like, why, Unless it's a blunder, because I don't know why you would talk about availability when all that does is get you bad PR these days, unless you actually think you're going to do it. To an extent, I wonder what that even means at this point, because I, I guess I, I don't... I, I've heard the figure before, I know, but I, I don't know how many cards exactly are sold every year. It's I mean, it's tens of millions, right? Yeah. So, but that's including all types of different things from bunches yeah, of yeah. vendors to different, yeah. But yeah, 
I don't know what quantity of cards you would need to inject into the market right now uh, of 6,700 XTs where it wouldn't sell out on day one. I don't even know if, how many they could put out that it wouldn't even sell out within, say, the first hour. I think if it doesn't sell out within the first hour, it clearly they clearly had a pretty big launch. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. If it doesn't sell out within the first 10 minutes, they had a big launch. <laughs> yeah. And and even then, I think it's worth pointing out, though, again, this isn't us saying that's going to happen because I'm tepid to talk about it at all anymore with how much crap we got just for reporting the numbers, which AMD's own financials showed they shipped like, I don't remember, it was like three or five times as many high-end cards as their previous high-end launches. I mean, AMD shipped over 100,000 cards in quarter four, even more in quarter, I guess quarter one's not over yet, but they will ship more than that in quarter one with Big Navi. If they were to ship like four times that in quarter two with Little Navi, I don't know it's going to fix it, but I bet it would help. I do bet it would help. And what you can make about two little knobbies for, well, I, I don't think it's, a, it's, I think it's a little more than half the die size, right? Or, I haven't, I don't have it pulled okay. up, but yeah, it probably is a little more than half. But you can make a lot more of them probably. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to. Release. Well, and their yields are better. So they're wasting less of it too. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to release this and, way higher numbers that well it's a, sm a smaller die so I, I don't think i i don't think i'm making some big massive hot take prediction that they can make more 6700 xts than uh than 6900 xts <laughs> um so yeah dan did you who did you get that information from <laughs> hmm my <laughs> but, uh, dan was getting we know dan is about to make a reference we don't want to get into right now um <laughs> I guess what I would say on that note, though, just to jump in too, is I forgot to mention the 6700 non-XT in the video. And let me just say that now. They have no plans to release that anytime soon at all, which should tell you how good their yields are. They have there there should be two bins of the top 40 compute unit model, and that's all they plan to sell. I believe for months. So my suspicion is they will set the cut down models aside and build up a boatload of stock before they release, you know, some hopefully $300 six gigabyte card, but let's be honest, probably 350 six gigabyte card. Yeah. If they went more than 350, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what they do. I think it would look stupid if they were more than 350 with the 6,700. Personally, I, I would price it at 319 but build up a yeah. boatload of stock. Well, I don't know though, because why? They're making so much money off of it anyways. I don't know. Yeah, well, I guess what I would do is I would have most of the cut down volume still be a 12 gigabyte card and have it be 400 or something. Uh, I mean, I guess that's an option. And I'm not saying I want it to cost that much, by the way, everyone listening. I'm saying that's what I would do if I was the business. No, no what you want, it, what you think is going to happen isn't what you want to happen. I want the... Uh, I want the 6700 XT to cost $400. That's what I want. But yeah. that's not going to happen. And there's no need for them to price it at $400 because even if they price the put the MSRP at $400, to go back to your point about maybe they're just being more honest with MSRP here, If even if it were priced at $400, I bet you would see them selling Ion Newegg for $500 or $550 within a couple weeks. Right. And so that's why it's almost like, what is the point in having a fake lower MSRP? 
Well, it'd be better to just be honest and then ship enough that you can stay relatively within it, which again, in my video, what I say is, so if they can keep it below 550, it's unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, the best thing you can get right now around that price point. And I don't think the MSRP is as much of a lie if it sells for 550 or lower. But if you see it get up to like 700, then it's really no different than what's going on with the 3060, which I hope that's not what happens, but oh, we'll I, have to see. Yeah, you know, I, I really don't know anymore with this market. There, it, it, you can just sell stuff at whatever price you want to, and people, and some people will still buy it. Yeah, and again, just to make sure I make that clear, so the 6700 non-XT, as far as I'm aware, you should not be waiting for it. No plans to do anything with that. And part of that has to be that they're having absurd yields, which brings it full circle again, why I think they should just switch, you know, capacity over. Because th there is a reason, like, you know, I don't know what percentage of it it is, but like, I, I, I don't know if it's like a third or like uh, of the dies become 6800s instead of 6800 XTs, right? Or 6900 mm -hmm. XTs. Like... And then, like, I think probably, you know, 10% or 15% are thrown away, which is just such a waste. I think with this, almost none would be thrown away. Like, I'm hearing, like, insanely good yields. Yeah. And so they might as well switch to this for that reason for availability as well. And I know this does happen from time to time that um, possibly higher binnable die is partially disabled just to meet demand at that lower price point, at the, the lower price point. And there really just isn't a need to do that right now. So your idea that maybe they'll just have these lower bin things, uh, these lower bin dies that they don't release for months, it makes sense because a bunch of people are going to buy the 6700 XT that would have bought the 6700 instead if they could. Exactly. And so I guess the only, I'm trying to think of any other thing to talk about with regards to this. I, I, I talk about a few things in the second half of the video that came out on the third, but there's something going on with the performance though. This is above what I expected. Did you notice yeah. that? Like this is yes. definitely about five, 10% above what we were talking about, which is a 3060 Ti competitor. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. If the performance is an honest representation of how it actually performs broadly, then this is a 30, now a 3070 competitor. And at $480 MSRP, that's perfectly fair pricing, especially given the fact that it has four gigs more RAM. But I do want to talk about two things then. One thing I cover in the video briefly, which is that the fact that it has 96 megabytes of infinity cache so I don't think that's really enough for 4K. I suspect there's a bigger performance drop-off going from 1440p to 4K with the 6700 XT. And the numbers I had for the 6700 XT performance were based on 4K benchmarks, which is why they were always kind of trading blows of the 3060 Ti. So my assumption is don't assume at least the base die model is going to be as good as a 3070 in 4K, unless it runs out of VRAM, which it could. Mm -hmm. It's only 8 gigabytes. Um, but additionally, it's funny to think that, well, this lower the resolution you get, though, there's 96 megabytes of cache for just 40 compute units. So if it is enough, it might actually perform even better at the proper resolutions than Big Navi. Big Navi is mm -hmm. dividing 128 megabytes of cache up with 
80 compute up to 80 compute units. This is 40 that gets 96. So if it that's true. So you've got to think about they might actually have just a crazy optimized architecture for 1440p that it has a bigger drop off in 4K, but it might actually accelerate it better in 1440p, relatively speaking. And I I am like a like looking going through the reveal, I am starting to really come to the opinion that that I think you're right that 4K is probably going to see a worse drop off because like there there was that big that slide they had near the beginning of the uh, presentation where they like showed monitor adoption growth and they're like, <laughs> they highlight 1440p and they do they go to great lengths to justify why 1440p is the most important resolution. And I think that's because they're trying to say, well, 4K doesn't matter for you at this price point. And I guess it will be interesting <laughs> to see um, Infinity Cash, how, like, it's a new technology. So it'll be interesting to see how, uh, I can't remember, is that 128 gig megabytes of Infinity Cash on the... For Big Navi, yeah. Yeah, so I guess we'll see how much that, uh, why can't I do math right now? Because it's almost midnight where you are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that 32 megabytes of cash matters. <laughs> and I, I have one more thing, though, to say about performance. I have to be a little careful about it because it does involve kind of like, I don't want to get anyone in trouble or reveal sources. But let's just say a lot of people that shouldn't be surprised are a little surprised by the performance numbers they saw. <laughs> so I suspect some of it's a little bit of cherry picking. I don't think AMD went wild, but I think there's maybe more cherry picking than before because they're trying to justify that $480 price. I think also it outperforms in 1440p versus 4K. So that's the second thing that I think is surprising. Even people that shouldn't be surprised, by the way. But the third thing is, as far as I'm aware, what they revealed was the base model, not the overclocked one. Hmm. Which I don't want to talk about that too much because I'm not 100% sure what's going on there. No one I talk to is. They're actually a bit, some people are confused. Okay. So if you'll look at my videos, including the one from a month ago, I was talking about how AIBs would get super fast clock dies. Remember that there's a base die and an overclock die. And again, for everyone listening, I talked about this months ago. What I think, uh, I've always heard that the overclocked one was over 200 watts, but the other one was around or below 200. Have we considered that AMD may have just gone, well, why don't we just overclock the base model too? I mean, it may not clock as high as the higher clock, as the better yeah. models, but it, like, wouldn't it be better to just have two variants of a die and just make them both 230 watts? Who cares? No one cares I mean that it uses that much energy. That that's an option. People don't really start complaining about power consumption on like mid-range and up cards until it's like above 300. I mean for a for a lower mid-range card it should be below 200 watts, but <laughs> at this performance Like why level, wouldn't you do that cares. if you were AMD, right? Like yeah. why why like why would you have an overclocked model that's at like 2.5 gigahertz? And then a one, whatever, right, 80 watt or 200 watt model that's at 2.2 gigahertz. Why not just put it to 2.4 gigahertz and make it use the same energy? Because the problem right now is people can't get a card that's as strong as a 3070 or better. And the, and just make it. Who cares how much energy it uses? It's an almost 6800 with less RAM, close enough for most people. Just overclock both models. I, I guess we'll see about that. <laughs> 
It would make sense. No one cares about power consumption at two in the 200 to 250 watt range. Well, so are you gathering, though, what might be true about the overclocked models, though, if this is hitting 2.4 gigahertz? Uh, then it, the overclocked one might be at, like, what, 2.8 or something? <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for a card to hit 3 gigahertz, Tom. And I want to be very happen. clear for everyone listening. I'm not saying that, you know, there's going to be two, that the, the top bend dies of 6700 XT are going to be 2.8 or 2.7 gigahertz. But I have heard suggestion of that behind the scenes and that what they showed, they actually have a higher clocked model that's maybe 5% better than that even. That would be pretty crazy if a card that high clocked came to market. (laughs) Even if it uses 250 watts, who cares? It probably would. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anyone would care. I, I really don't. So I just want to throw that out there. I'm not confirming anything, but there's something odd going on with the performance that is surprising people. And I just gave you guys a few, three suggestions, you know, whether it's the cache and what we heard before was just 4K, uh, whether it's the fact that they cherry picked or whether they they have just decided to overclock the base model, which again, just hearing that suggestion, I go, yeah, why wouldn't they have done that? Yeah. Before we move on, the last thing I have to ask you, Dan, what do you think the general perception is of the public about it, though? Um, like, did you look around online at all? I haven't read too much uh, I, about like uh, how it was received. I would say, generally speaking, it seems positive. But so I actually did a poll in the Patreon. Hmm. Um, Because I was curious what our fans thought. And I thought I did a pretty good job of putting the options together. It was like, let's assume this is around 500. Let's assume it's somewhat gettable, but it's not going to be super easy. And and the average that people said is something around it's okay-ish. And in my video, I'm like, the funny thing is okay-ish sounds like a pleasant surprise. Because I was kind of expecting to be very disappointed today (laughs) by something. Yeah, and... I, I don't know. Reading the, uh, reading the reveal, I mean, first off, you and me talked about it before it came out, and, and you had that video. We kind there was at least our our expectations were set, but yeah, I don't know. I my impression of it, uh, like I said, is this is the current state of the market, and at the prices they're given and the performance they're giving, it's. Good. I'm not like blown away by anything, but it's good. And I think it's probably one of the better options to get with the current information we know. Yeah. And I, and I told people that you can comment, you know, what your thoughts are. And we're not going to use this as reader mail. We don't have time to, we actually got, I believe, 58 comments, Dan. We don't have time to go through it. <laughs> um, but it did help inform my video and get the mood in the room. So I do appreciate everyone who suggested it. But it, I'm not going to do any specific names, but there's a lot of people saying they're just unhappy the mid-range is now $500 and that if you compare it to the consoles, it's actually pretty disappointing, which I I mean, I, I certainly agree. I mean, let's be honest, guys. This is about... They, they overclocked it. So cool. It is then definitely not weaker than the PS5, I would say, even though it's 192, but it has infinity cash and... But it's about the same performance as the Xbox Series X and the PS5. And it it costs the same, if not more, than the consoles. So 
Yeah. I don't know. It's like, that's just not what things used to be. When the PS4 came out, again, we've talked about this agnosium, but like the 7870 was about the, a comparable sort of thing. And it was like 250 300 to a $400 console. And it actually came out a year before the PS4. And this is, yeah. I mean, if you think about what came out right after the PS, I mean, yeah, by the time the PS4 was out, the 7870, if I remember correctly, it was more of a 200 $250 card. Yeah. Half the price of the entire console. That's fair. That's fair. It's half the price of a console for similar performance. Upgrade your PC instead. This is not what's happening, but I don't know. People are voting with their wallets. I mean, I don't really have much else to say about it besides that. And I guess the one last thing I'll quickly add is you probably saw me looking at my phone. I just went on to r slash hardware to see what they're saying. And it's mostly very, very cynical. (laughs) Yeah. I do think people are going a little overboard with the cynicalness on this one just because it's like, guys, it did beat performance expectations, at least unless we find out it's entirely cherry-picked. We'll see. Um, As usual, we got to wait for third-party reviews. But I I don't know. I... It it is... I don't... It's a 12... If it's a 12 gigabyte 3070, I don't know that you complain about that if it's the same price as that. Yeah, it's a, if it's a 12 gigabyte 3070 for $480 or in reality, probably $550. Given the current state of the market, I guess what I would say is if you're on the market for a card, I guess get that one. And that's the sad thing too, is as much as I hate these prices, if I'm forced to give advice to people listening and you need a new card, even if you don't, I would try to get the one at least from AMD's website for 480 so that you can then sell your like Vega for the same price, if not more. Yeah. I mean, I might try to get it for that reason. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Um, Mia writes in and says, how much do you think people's willingness to give up on an RTX 3070, for example, and buy an inflated in price 3090 has to do with GPUs being viewed as status items? Doing that makes no sense to those of us who see GPUs as a means to playing games and editing videos, perhaps. But for some people, they seem to be worthy of prestige. Hosting a RGB-out, hardline, cooled PC with a 3090 is more like buying an expensive watch than it is like buying a device just to tell time. It is actually an interesting comparison, comparing showing off your RGB system with a 3090 in the same way someone would show off a Rolex. I haven't said it like that, but I feel like I've been saying something similar. I, I, I guess I, I have. I've been saying something that dovetails with this. Well, would be a better way to put it. Is that I, I understand the thirty ninety performs better than the thirty seventy, but <laughs> functionally speaking, how much more are you really getting out of it if you're using it as just a game at least card? in most of your games for yeah. most people. Yeah, You know, I, and I found that in half of my Radeon 7 versus 6800 XT, the difference was small. Some of them, the difference was big. And one game, the difference was huge. But the overall experience, I would say for 90% of the games, wasn't really any different. Yeah, and of course it's not going to be different. Oh, so now there's slightly more 3D textures that you don't even notice unless you look at them and take a screen, unless you pause the game, take a screenshot and uh, zoom in to see that slightly higher texture resolution and slightly more 3D that you would never notice unless you were trying to find it. Yeah, and uh, that's that's why I do think if, if we can get to a place though where something around the 6700 XT's, the 3070's level of performance 
you know, because those are just a bit above my Radeon 7. I think that level of performance is all you need. Like we were playing Deep Rock Galactic the other day and I was like, uh, I'm playing an 1800p 100 hertz instead of 4K 120. Ah, it's so terrible. It's like, I think for most people, it's fine. And I, I, I don't think we're quite to that yet, but I do. I, it is an interesting idea that it's becoming like a Rolex that isn't lost on me and that the people feel the need to brag about it too because they're kind of just justifying to themselves why they paid so much money. I mean, you bought, a, you bought a graphics card the size of a console. You need to show it off. That's true. I mean, if you didn't show it off, but I mean, I... Ivan K writes in and he says, hi, when do you think we will reach the point when 1440p 144 hertz will be the bottleneck, even in big titles like Red Dead Redemption on Ultra for a GPU in the 700 to 800 uh, euro price range? I'm just thinking whether I will need to upgrade from 1440p to 4K by the time I build a new gaming rink in approximately four years. I expect at least in the mid-range, the restoration, I'm assuming it means right here, rasterization performance will double in four years when you keep in the mind that every year we get 20% more performance gain. Well, I don't know. I think RDNA 3 is going to bring at least 40% more performance in about a year-ish from now, maybe a little more than a year from now, maybe even 60%, 80% more performance. It's hard to say. I, I don't think it's going to be 20. Though. I think it's going to be much more than that. Um, and with that in mind, you know, uh, but, but then again, we'll bring <laughs> $1,500 price points instead of 1000 for the top card. Let's uh, who knows? <laughs> Let's hope not. But, uh, but I mean, I, I think 1440p is kind of maxed out now. I don't, it's pretty by cool. anything that's a 3070 or better. I I don't know. I had no problem just destroying 1440p with the 6800 XT. And frankly, I thought 4K 120 was a breeze in every game I played, even games that I didn't think would be. I mean, if you insist on maxing out at 1440p, yeah, you probably can't get a game to one, uh, some games to 144 hertz. But uh, a lot of the gains you see from like increasing certain things, uh, increasing certain settings you probably don't even see in 1440p at max settings. So yeah, just lower stuff to get like with some, with some uh, settings, like 20% more performance in some games. Exactly. In Red Dead Redemption 2 is one of those infamous ones where there's like a few settings that I think give you like a 30, 40% performance boost. I, I don't, I, I, and I think that's often worth it for the greater clarity of a higher resolution. Not always, but I think yeah. it is often. So I don't know. I would just say I, as long as you can get a 4K 120 hertz monitor for below 700, below 600, I'd rather have that than a $500 or I guess $400, $300, 1440p 120 hertz. I would. Not everyone. It's up to you. And it depends what games you play. But the games I play are incredibly varied, include some strategy games too, where the greater resolution is way more important than frame rate as well. So, Yeah, and I just like that resolution. Yeah. All right. We did it, Dan. We got through one story, but it was a big one. It just came out and uh, we touched on it a little bit, but here we are. Story number two, RTX 3060 12 gigabyte reviews, RX 5700 performance for RX 5700 XT pricing. I don't have a write-up for this because it was, I think, over a week ago, but technically it falls into the news cycle of a news episode we do. So it's we got to touch on it a little bit, and we did some already. Like, what was your impression of the RTX 3060? So it's uh, looking at, like, relative performance, 
it, it's well, one uh, thing I was annoyed by looking at reviews is they, the the cards used in those in most reviews were like weird, like fifty seven hundred never showed up. A lot of reviews didn't even have AMD mm. cards except for like a sixty eight hundred XT. For I reason. saw that as well. You're right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, translating relative like performance, it looks like it's slightly better performance than a fifty seven hundred. Slightly worse than a 5700 XT. It's cheaper than the MSRP of a 5700, but it's selling for seventy dollars more functionally. So it's yeah, functionally a four. It's a four hundred dollar card, I would say, and so, that's some people would say I'm being generous by saying that because it's kind of a five hundred dollar card. Yeah, so it's functionally a four hundred dollar card. It, so that means that in what uh, what was that now probably. Probably a year and a half ago now, or mm-hmm. probably getting yeah. probably getting closer to two years than a year and a half at this point. But um, so in a, a about a year and a half from we, the fifty seven hundred XT, you're saying yeah, from the fifty sorry from the fifty seven hundred and fifty seven hundred XT. In about a year and a half, we've gone from three hundred fifty dollars performance at with eight gigabytes of RAM. Uh, performance doesn't matter. I guess you're just paying fifty dollars for four more gigs of RAM. Like that. Yeah. That's my takeaway. Again, and it's like what I, I'm forced to give basically the same advice that I'm giving to the 6700 XT. I'm optimistic, a little optimistic that it'll be a bit easier to get closer to MSRP 6700 XTs, but there's really no proof of that until it comes out. So don't bet on it. Um, and I, but it is funny. I give the same advice for both cards, which is hey, look, if you can get it near MSRP, though, it is the best thing to get now new. I would say the same with the 3060, to be fair. Um, if it was 330, that's fine. And I think I saw one review. I don't remember who said it. Someone did a review for the RTX 3060, and the title was, there's a reason the MSRP is 330. Like, it really shouldn't be more than that. No, it, 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 it shouldn't be, because like what we're, what we're saying then is in a year and a half, four gigs of RAM and like 5% performance is worth it should decrease prices by what twenty dollars? I mean, price performance usually goes up. I mean, pri- <laughs> relative price to the performance previous usually gen, gets a lot so, better yeah. relative to previous gen, and it just isn't this generation, I guess. And that sucks. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Yeah, the the other big thing I wanted to point out is that it uses more energy than a 2060 while being like 20% better. Uh, It's like, guys, Ampere is not more efficient than, it's like barely more efficient than Turing. You look at the laptop 3060 and at same power usage to the laptop 2060, it's like 19% better despite using a node that's like significantly more dense. So I don't know what else there is to say. and you know what? At a die as small as the 3060s, which is you know reasonably small die now, it's a little weird how much energy it uses too. I don't think you can just blame Samsung's eight nanometer process. I think you could see that GA104 is obviously more efficient than GA102. Probably some of that that it's a more manageable die for Samsung's node that really wasn't meant for giant dies. But when I look at the 106, I'm like, eh, I didn't really see it get much better efficiency <laughs> increase over the 3070. I'm not so sure of that anymore. I just think Ampere's barely more efficient than Turing, no matter how you dice it. Well, yeah, like we said before, it, it seems like the majority of its gains in performance, are it's almost linear with uh, increase in uh, power usage. So it's all just they're able to, they're able to send more energy through these graphics cards, and that's it. 
Yeah. Is there anything else you have to say about the 3060? I, th- I feel like we've talked about the broad points about the 3060 enough in previous episodes. I mean, it's, I feel like, pretty in line with the performance we were expecting. The prices, the street price, I guess we'll call it, is disappointing. And that 12 gigabytes of RAM clearly looks like it was last minute. That, but no, there's, there's not too much I have to add to it. QH Freddy writes in and says, let's talk laptops. All right. Let's talk. Let's do it. The R- Let's do it, man. The RTX 3060 and 3070 have not shown particularly impressive gains over Turing, especially at the lower power configurations. Cezanne is out eating Intel's lunch money in the premium laptop market in the meantime. What do you think about AMD addressing the laptop gaming market? Are you expecting an all-AMD laptop of the top end soon? What about Acorn Tiger Lake? Will that slow the Cezanne rampage much? Or does AMD just have their heads too full on desktop server to be able to really make their presence felt in the gaming laptop scene? Yeah, I mean, they showed laptops next to the 6700 XT teaser a month ago or something, if I remember correctly. Like, they were like, I, we're going to reveal other graphics cards soon. And they showed the dual fan. Then next, to that was a laptop. So I wouldn't be surprised if right now what they're going to do is use the cut down dies of the Navi 22 for laptops because people will pay so much for desktop cards now for some reason. And so they're, fa- you know what I mean? They're just yeah. figuring, well, let's, let's, usually you'd send the full die to, laptop this time let's just send cut down dies yeah and i don't think there's much of a need for them to put navi 21 on uh laptops like the performance of if they uh, have the availability they should do it though and if they could get it into a low enough uh tdp oh i'm sure they could though like it's clocked at 2.2 gigahertz i'm sure they could take the 6800 you know and clock it a little lower or something like that, or more likely or actually even the, like 1400 or something, maybe for, uh, megahertz. I mean, yeah, I, I think there's a lot that could be gained in efficiency by just going down a bit. I mean, I, I, I think for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think if they wanted to, they could launch some version of Navi 21 that absolutely demolishes or at least matches the RTX 3080 laptop edition. Well, probably using less energy. I bet they could get that same performance down to about 100 watts where NVIDIA is forced to use 150 watts. Yeah, and I, I guess it is also needs to be noted that they are, they're a smaller company and AMD has clearly been folk doing a thing where they focus on like one or two things at a time and then proceed like, like they took over the CPU market and now they're starting to with the desktop GPU market. I don't know if they're going to start trying to take uh, make inroads in the laptop market more than they have, but my guess would be they probably will soon. Yeah. Um, but again, just to answer QH Freddy's question, I, I do think there's going to be some version of Navi 22 launched on laptops within a couple months, and I do think it will probably be pretty cool, and I would expect someone to be making all AMD laptops. Um do I think Tiger Lake's going to slow down Cezanne? No, I think Tiger Lake will be like in Razer laptops, eight cores, and it will be pro- maybe a little better, but cost more. Like, I don't really think there's much else to say. Well, yeah, I feel like that's... It's competitive with it, but it's for. not, you know, a big deal. Yeah, and, and I, yeah, I feel like that's what Tiger Lake's for. And I mean, that's that's a definite niche in the laptop space, so <laughs> they, they better capitalize off of it. 
Well, it's the holiday season, and you know what that means. Lots of travel for this holiday season, and hopefully for a more open 2021. I bought a studio laptop for mobile editing. And of course, well, it didn't come with an open license of Microsoft Office, and those can be very expensive, especially for the professional version. But luckily, I was able to get Microsoft Office Professional for a reasonable price from cdkoffers.com. Go to cdkoffers.com and use the promotional code BROKENSILICON to get 25% off an already cheap list price of Windows 10 Professional. Then all you do is click on your email account, go to user center and then my purchase orders to get the code just use this code with a normal download of windows 10 professional from microsoft's website all right links in the description all right story number three nvidia launches mining only line of graphics cards further shafting gamers all right i have a little write up here and like two videos and two articles uh, for people in the description. People can see in the description. Uh, but anyways, NVIDIA just announced the latest way it will screw over gamers, literally using gaming cards for dedicated mining SKUs. These are dies that, make no mistake, could have been put into gaming products, but now are doomed to never be used for gaming. These will never be used ever. These will never be a mining card that shows up on eBay for half the price and can be get bought cheap. These will only ever be usable for mining. And so there is just more of an availability problem because NVIDIA is doing this. At the same time, NVIDIA will make it harder for gamers to share in the profits of this terrible situation by putting pointless Ethereum hashing limits on the 3060 and potentially updated versions of GA104 and GA102 cards. It's pointless because multi-billion dollar firms will easily bypass these locks if they so desire. And by the way, it's worth pointing out that I've already heard it's been hacked by mining firms and being circulated on the internet. And additionally, I believe I heard an AMB spokesman say that they're not going to put any locks on it because they know it's pointless. People can easily hack these if they try, if they want to put in the effort. Yeah, I, I'm sure they can. All the anti-mining stuff does for the 3060 is make it harder for a gamer who was forced to pay extra money to try to make some of that money back. And all it does is limit Ethereum. There's a bunch of, they could just mine Monero or something. Yeah, and these mining firms, they don't care, a lot, a lot of them at least don't care what they're mining because they're just selling it <laughs> to make money. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I, I thought the press statement they had was pretty funny Mostly pretty funny in uh, the con with the context around it of everyone immediately, like back to that cynicism that I feel like is kind of pervading the DIY market right now, um, where everyone immediately saw through it. And there, the first uh, reaction I saw from most people seemed to be so now NVIDIA is just putting artificial limiters on my graphics card. What are they going to artificially limit next? Yeah, which is all it is. I mean, I'm trying, and again, I, I think something really worth hammering home, I did a couple of videos on it that did really well, actually. Um, and so I don't think I need to dwell on everything I said. Again, links in the description. I think I did a couple of really good videos hammering home what I think about these mining graphics cards and what's going on with mining and availability. But one thing I didn't mention is that, I didn't know it right away, but mm -hmm. it's pretty clear at least two of the mining cards, these CMP cards, are... Turing-based, and one of them may even be Pascal-based. It's hard to say. But so at least two of them are Turing-based. Maybe three might be. But the top what? one is what? So are those the lower? Yeah. Design? Okay. 
Yeah, it's pretty. I think one's pretty clearly a 2060, and then one of them's like a 2070 or something. Um, and we've also heard they've restarted production of 2060s. So <laughs> I think that directly suggests that, yeah, the bottom two is 2070 and 2060s turned into mining cards. But, and some people would go, well, you know, well, that diversifies capacity. There you go. And it's like, well, it doesn't though, because right now we have an availability problem and they could have resold the just, if they really cared about gamers, what NVIDIA would have done is drop the price of the 2070 to 350 and drop the price of the 2060 to like 280 or 250 and then just kept selling those on Newegg. But the second yeah. they make these mining only cards, these will never be gaming cards. And Turing's fine compared to Ampere. Again, it's almost the same performance per watt. It's ray tracing per frame is about equal with Ampere unless it's GA102, but that's just because it has, frankly, more CUDA cores than it knows what to do with them. Like, I, there's no reason NVIDIA, if they really cared, couldn't have just said, you know what, we're starting up production of G of TU-106 again, and that means a $300 2070. No, they're just sending that to miners instead. And the top one is GA-102. So that's a bunch of 3080s that you'll never get, no one will ever be able to get going straight to miners. And it's so, by the way, they can control the price of these cards to miners. I bet they sell them for more to the miners. And I'm trying to, uh, how many uh, HX cards are there? Is there? I think there's four. There's four, there's four yeah. So uh, I've seen it pointed out that like the top one is just GA102 mining performance. So it's definitely GA102. And, and it's like, almost definitely GA102, I should say. Yeah. And so they had this BS press statement where it's like, see, we're, we're making new products, so they so my the mean miners can't get into your cards. Well, at the at the production level, they're the same thing. They're producing GA one hundred two dies, and now they're just putting them in in uh, packages that don't have display out ports, so you can't use them. <laughs> yeah, um, and that's really all I have to say about that. They the only thing you can really do to help with capacity and availability right now is just try to get as many dies as possible, have them all be doable at gaming. So at least gamers have a chance and ship as many as you can. But the second you section some off at only doing certain tasks that can only hurt availability. And again, it's so they can sell it for more to miners. Make no mistake, they will be charging more to the miners for this and saying, well, now you need to get this because the 3060 you can't do it and we're going to start limiting it in drivers. And the only other thing I'll humor, I guess, quickly, even though I don't think there's any real evidence of it, is some people seem to think that uh, some people are under the impression that these are lower bend dyes that they're selling to miners. I think that sounds like bullshit, but I just thought I would bring that up quickly. <laughs> By the way, I'm just looking at comments in my latest video, and I just have to say this out loud. John says, you see, Tom, the human eye can't see more than five graphics cards per shelf. <laughs> Maybe maybe it's because it's late at night, but that made me laugh. <laughs> it's dumb. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, though, let us move on. Seawolf writes in and says, on the topic of mining GPUs home heating, I'm running three 3090s, an R7 uh, and a 5700 XT. I don't know which R7 card. I think he cut it off. Yes. All pretty much mine 24-7. My energy cost is 25 USD higher compared to this time last year. The 3090s are great. My kids can play their games on a 3090 while it's mining. And the wife and I can play more demanding games no matter the card we have to stop mining. 
And since I'm crazy, all systems are custom liquid cooled to all run silently, even at full load. If building custom liquid cooled systems wasn't my hobby, though, I'm sure I couldn't deal with the noise and mining would not be an option. Not to mention the cost you did cooling these. It's, I mean, <laughs> but anyways, I know dedicated mine rigs, only a bunch of gaming rigs that also mine. So I guess he's not saying necessarily anything good or bad, but he is pointing out how he does have these quietly heating his house right now. Yeah, and well, I guess that's just five computers. So I guess if you have three kids or something, maybe it makes sense that you have five desktops. Or maybe you're just one of those people that's like, well, no, I need my upstairs desktop. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. You have enough cards to be making a decent amount of money uh, passively. Yeah. I'm glad you got your house heated through the winter for, I don't know, is $25? That sounds cheap to me. Maybe I'm just crazy. It does sound very cheap. But, you know, yeah, take him at his word, you know. QH Freddy writes in again and says mining profitability has halved in the last week or so. Do you think that crash that will cause a crash in GPU prices and is already starting to happen? Not based on what I've seen, <laughs> but it could. And by the way, I'm looking at my miner, the, the pool website I use right now. And yeah, it does seem like profitability is definitely down, maybe not by half for me, but by a decent margin. Is and I think it's because people are turning. I'm sure it's just more people turning on mining cards. I, I The only thing I might not know, because I don't pay that much attention to Ethereum anymore, is if they are switching more to proof of stake over time. But I don't think it's that. I think it is just the network difficulty going up. Well, wait a second. I can answer this now. <laughs> Ethereum network difficulty. Let's see what it looks like. I, I mean, I can just... I'll put this in the description, too. <laughs> yeah, it's the difficulty, Dan. <laughs> it's the difficulty. Yeah. And I, I brought that up to you, those... Ads I've seen for people selling like six six card ampere mining rigs, telling you that it's going to pay off in six months. If you, I, I don't think I doubt anyone listening to this bought one of those. But that's why it's not going to pay itself off in six months because difficulty is going to spike. Like, like what he's saying right now, profitability has halved. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like difficulty is up like thirty percent over the last week. So I don't think it's just. I, I but you know, yeah. I don't know. It's hard for me to say. I'll put that link in the description. But yeah, I mean, that that's probably what it is. Um, all right, moving. Uh, but yeah, I don't expect the prices to crash right away because I think half of the reason people were buying these up for mining is the assumption they'll make money, not any actual math they accounted for, guys. I don't know. Part of me wonders how many people that are starting up these rigs right now. I wonder if um, I wonder if they're like even checking difficulty, like if they even know what that means. Yeah, Herats writes in and says, if GPU prices stay high, do you think people will leave PC gaming in mass? Or will they adjust by running games at lower resolutions and get really creative with repurposing old hardware? Currently looking at building a console-sized gaming PC for a friend out of an old gaming laptop with an MXM graphics card. That's interesting. Um, I mean, it's both. I think people will hold on to their cards longer and longer and longer until it's stupid to not upgrade. I mean, that's kind of where I think you're at, isn't it, Dan? Except you might try to get a 6700 XT and sell your Vega 50 six or something well if i can sell it or if i can sell it and maybe even make money off of the or exchange yeah. yeah or barely lose any really off of getting a uh, 6700 xt i don't really see why i wouldn't do it to be honest with you it will perform a lot better than what i have right now and yeah if i can sell my vega 56 for a decent price and get that sure why not but that's the only reason I'm even considering getting a 4700. I mean, not 40, 6700 XT. I don't know why I said 40. 
that number just came out of nowhere. But uh, 6,700. No, it's because you're a fucking idiot, Dan. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> but no, we, have to, I, <laughs> we have to be clear that I was just joking. This is how <laughs> me and Dan joke with each other. And uh, I, I don't know. Uh, will people leave in mass? I don't know if it will be in mass. Some people will leave. That's. I think that's so. Happening. Yeah. Yeah. S- some people leave the party sooner. Some people stay. I think it's safe to say that the overwhelming majority of our friends, if not all of them, are more casual in the gaming hardware space than we are. And yeah. I can tell you, at least from my anecdotal evidence, that a large amount of my friends are like, yeah, I'm done. This is so stupid. And I, I, I'm not at the point where I'm like going to get rid of my PC because that of course not. Really I need one too. Sense. Yeah, but it, it is at a point where it's like, I don't know how much I care about upgrading my my PC at this point, because what am I even getting out of it? Unless I can literally make money slash like net lose a hundred dollars off of getting a 6,700 XT or something. Yeah. Uh, Jimu Neen writes in and says, as someone who got a Vega 56 at the decline of the previous mining boom, with the current situation in mining and expected resupply of cars that has been predicted from gamers buying, in your opinion, would it be better to get a used mining card again at the end of this boom or wait for the next architecture? I mean, I can bet there's going to be a bunch of 3070s and 3080s flooding the market for after a crash. So I, I would say it's something to think about. I'm not going to yeah, give you any advice because who knows what's going to happen with availability and pricing over the next year. I'm kind of done trying to predict that stuff. but And who knows how long this mining boom will go on for. I mean, probably the better part of a year. And But yeah, they are, mining cards always sell for really good prices after a mining boom. Yeah, Wooly Ram writes in and says, Tom, well, this might be premature. Would you get an analyst for a post-mortem on this mining boob once it crashes? I think it would be an interesting deep dive to compare and contrast with the two earlier mining booms. I mean, that's definitely a good suggestion for a guest, and it's definitely something I think me and you could at least decently talk about on our own as well, uh, considering we've been a part of, or at least I've been heavily a part of the previous two mining booms, especially, especially the last one. I mean, really not yeah. heavily this time. I'm not buying up any cards for mining anymore. I just have leftover ones. Yeah, I mean, it would be an it would be an interesting video topic. Yeah, so I mean, good suggestion. I don't know when that will happen. I somewhat suspect it will happen sooner than a lot of people think. I don't think this is going to be a mining boom that lasts as long as the last one, like two years. I I don't. Could be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Deus writes in and says, I would love to have a podcast of the sustainability of cryptocurrencies of each coins. My current coin that I have or looking at are, well, I don't want to say them because I don't want to make it like we're, uh, but again, yeah, guys, suggested for die shrink, right? Yeah, interesting. Uh, Some coins are more more sustainable than others. Depends what you mean by sustainable, though, because I don't actually think of it in terms of energy. I think anytime something has value, people will spend energy to get it, and you just have to accept that. I think in sustainability, what I would want to look at is how sustainably built are the blockchains to not become bloated and break or something. Well, yeah, I think that's a big question about sustainability. Like, yeah, we can talk about energy usage all we want, but I mean, energy usage is becoming greener over time. So I think, I think that issue will mostly sort itself out. And but sustainability of a blockchain, like if the block size becomes two hundred terabytes, I don't think that's sustainable. <laughs> I don't. I mean, the size of the blockchain. <laughs> yeah, uh, but we don't want to get into that. 
Yeah. You know, that'd be like for a die shrink off, so a little off subject. All right, story number four. NVIDIA starts boosting frame rates by up to 10% on 30 series GPUs. Quoting from The Verge, NVIDIA has started to roll out support for Resizable Bar, a feature of PCIe Express that can boost frame rates in certain games by up to 10%. The new RTX 3060 graphics card is the first to include Resizable Bar, which allows certain CPUs to access the full graphics frame buffer instead of being limited to reading just 256 megabyte blocks. Support for other 30 series GPUs will be available in late March. You need the right CPU, motherboard, and graphics card to utilize this new feature, and NVIDIA is working with both AMD and Intel to provide the chipset support. AMD's Zen 3 CPUs are supported along with Intel's 10th gen processors and the company's upcoming 11th gen Rocket Lake chips. Much like AMD's smart access memory, resizable bar on NVIDIA GPUs can boost frame rates in certain games by up to 10%. The boost is really game-dependent, though, and resolutions can also impact how much performance it will increase. In our, in our testing, NVIDIA says, we found some benefit from a few percent up to 10%. However, there are also titles that actually see a decrease in performance, which is odd, by the way. Um, yeah. But there it is. So I guess it depends how you think about it. I think I reported that in a behind-the-scenes, not really behind-the-scenes, but in a closed-door presentation that I was a part of AMD said that this would take a while, but that was in like November that this would take. Uh, so is four months a while to get up and running? I don't think it is. I think AMD was, well, I don't know if lying, but playing down how easy it would be for this to implement on other things. And the funny thing is we're reading this in the same episode that they're adding support to Zen 2 on X570. So yeah, this could have been added to everything a while ago, I think. Yeah, and... <laughs> To and also to go to the other side of that, this could have been done a while ago and everything. It's just why did it take so long for somebody to think about to, to just think to do it? But that's the big innovation of Sam is I guess AMD just said, I guess uh, we're going to make this a feature that every card has now. And I'm looking at it, I think, uh, for the I think it's just for the 3060 as of right now, and it's only in eight games as of right now. So it's not some massive expansive feature yet, but you know, they're getting there and I hopefully in another four months, it will be uh, usable across their product, their Ampere product stack and more than eight games. Yeah. And story number five, Intel Z DG two leaks continue. It feels real. And it feels like it's coming out at the end of 2021. So I don't have a write-up or a quote from an article on this one. To be entirely honest, I would just say there's a link in the description for video cards. As far as I can tell, it basically is just saying a lot of what I've been talking about for like, what? I, I lose track. Yeah. I, I had a very comprehensive Z-Leak at least a couple months ago. Uh, or maybe three or four. I don't remember. Like months and months ago. It wasn't just right now and what i've been saying this whole time is 512 execution units 16 gigabytes of gdr6 targeting 3070 to 3080 performance efficiency is more up in the air i assume they're trying to get it to around 200 watts and it's very good at non-gaming tasks for exporting videos production type of stuff which makes sense they've already used their integrated graphics to accelerate video rendering i would assume i would assume that's a lot of where the resources for their integrated graphics have gone to over the past several years because these aren't gaming they, they weren't yeah gaming so at least make them good at like editing or something yeah 
And but about the yeah the leak itself. I mean, it it's, it, it adds more info about specifically these smaller dies, yeah. but we've I've seen these rumored before. This is definitely not the first time I've seen 384 EU. I've been told that by sources 384 EU models or 128. Everyone's heard of 128 EU models as well. So there's not really anything that new here in my opinion. And, and, and honestly, like a 512 EU model, it, it, it's not like I would just immediately guess, oh, there's probably a 384 EU uh, variant or die that they're going to release. But it doesn't surprise me that there's a 384 EU die that that exists. And yeah, I, I guess this gives a more comprehensive list of what a full product stack could look like. Could look like, yeah. But that, that's about it. it, it it's not uh, positing some crazy thing like there's a 756 EU die out there or something. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. Six, if it has 16 gigabytes of RAM, I think it's pretty obvious that it's targeting 60 30 70 to 30 80 performance somewhere in that range yeah i mean the the best video to look at for this is uh can intel retaliate in 2021 which i'll put that in the description as well so yeah that was from january 28th where i really look at half of the videos about alder lake the other half is basically about if zdg2 will be good and if you look at this leak there's i mean most of what I don't again, right? <laughs> uh, most of what they're already saying, and then there was also uh, also put in the description. Let me see here. My yeah, ZHPG gaming GPU leak, which Notebook Check did cite. Uh, that one was from October. So yeah, I've been talking about the specs they're showing here. Let me just double check so I don't get that wrong. Yeah, since October, like you can see it um, right here. Like most of the information on video cards is been confirmed by me in October. Of course, they don't ever give me credit, but um, you know, there it is. Yeah. I so the the reason I did want to bring this up though is there are a lot more rumors coming out now. And I'm just gonna let everyone know listening, it's because there's a new phase of validation going on that I'm aware of. In fact, there will be a link in the description where I tease that I know a lot more about DG2 now than I'm letting on. But I unfortunately just I, I can't say it right now because I don't want to hurt sources, you know. Yeah. And I, it's. I've talked to you about it a little yeah. bit, though. I would. Would you say you're more excited about, Z, more optimistic about Z this month than you were a couple months ago? Since I've been talking to you, I would say this round in general of Intel GPU rumors and leaks. Uh, this round that we've been having rounds of it for like three or four years now, it seems. I'm most optimistic about this round of leaks. Because it does seem like it's actually going somewhere this time. And hopefully that means uh, decent cards from Intel by late this year. I mean, they're not going to be competing with AMD and NVIDIA. In the ultra high in end. In the ultra high end. They're going to be competing in the high. Maybe they'll be competing in the high end, though, which is a pretty good first swing. It'll be probably like six to eight months. Well, probably closer to eight or more months late. But, you know, they showed up late to the game, but I, I don't know if it's priced well, then Intel made a really great first offering of GPUs. Yeah, um, I guess what I would just say is I, I can't go into detail yet. And frankly, I want to gather more information before I put out another comprehensive Z-Lake. But what I would say is it seems clear to me, what I would communicate now is I'm starting to find it highly unlikely 
that either the best or the worst case scenario will happen, that what I think of Z is starting to narrow more, which if you'll watch my leak from October, it was very much so the facts, what it should be, what they're trying to make it, and then a a lot of, I'm not sure it will ever come out. Same really in January. Mm -hmm. But what I can communicate is, I think something is coming out. I don't think there's any chance nothing comes out. But that, so the worst case scenario, I don't, think is going to happen. I think at least some kind of Vega Frontier-like release, and then maybe some kind of respin with improved functionality comes out the year after, or not year after, maybe a quarter after that. So in effect, really launching early next year. Um, I think at least something like that will probably happen. But I also don't think there's any chance they're going to release like a 150-watt 3080 in the summer. So we're not getting it soon, guys. And it's probably not going to be at the top of the potential we were hoping for. Yeah, and I, I I feel like that needs to be said that things rarely reach the top of the potential that they that you're initially hoping they would. I mean, they of course do sometimes, but I think that's more of a uh, that that's more of an outstanding scenario than the norm. So that shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone. But given that leaks are starting to narrow around certain things, I think that's indicative that that uh they are going a direction towards release, if that makes sense. Like, there's not just constant uh, rumors about some ephemeral uh, Intel GPU anymore. There seem to be, uh, like, what, three or so dies that people are beginning to talk about. Yeah, it's not feeling that ephemeral anymore. It's feeling like a real thing. Yeah. Dust writes in and asks, what do you think about the new Intel Rocket Lake pricing? According to this link here, and we'll put in the description for everyone, it seems that Intel is raising prices despite the lack of competitive advantage or really competitive anything against AMD's current offerings. Why do you think this is happening? So I'll immediately, well, let, let I ask this because it brings us right into story number six. So story number six WCCF Tech Leaks full Intel Rocket Lake Core i7 and Core i9 CPU lineup and specifications. Quoting from WCCF Tech, Intel is preparing a total of 10 SKUs in the Core i7 and i9 families for launch, at least in the near future. And these TDP and they have TDPs that range from a measly 25 watts all the way up to 125 watts. Depending on whether you prefer energy efficiency or raw performance, there's ample variety. Intel's flagship, the i9-11900K, has an incredible single-core boost of 5.3 gigahertz, coupled with an all-core of 4.8. These will be super bin chips that have been qualified to perform at these speeds. We shipped in mass. Considering this is 14 nanometer, the availability of these AP, these SKUs should be very good as well. There's also the Core i9-11900KF. And the Core i9-11900T and, you know, all these other flavors. Intel's even managed to provide an all-core boost of 3.7 gigahertz, supposedly with a 35-watt TDP with the 11900T. So the real big story here, it's the normal family of different types of SKUs with Ts and Ks and whatever that you'd expect, Mm -hmm. is that as far as we can tell, it's going to cost $600 for the top one, or at least above $500. And when Dust writes in and asks, why are they doing this? I've talked to a couple people at Intel why. And it's just, they think they can get away with it. They think they still have the mind share to do this. And from Intel's perspective, they think of it in terms of like slow and steady. 
So even though AMD is in charge, they refuse to completely make any generation make the previous one look completely stupid. That's why they added core slowly and then added hyper-threading to the i5 of last minute, like at the last generation of Skylake. And that's why they're slotting these into the price points before. They want to keep the 900K at five to 600. And the good news about that is that I do think Alder Lake will not be 700. I think the top Alder Lake will be like twice as good as this and the same price. But they don't want to do something where they just have massive price decreases. They just want to keep slotting in the same SKU to what it was replacing. Again, that's why they went to an 8-core, no hyper-threading i7, and then an 8-core, 16-thread i7. They want methodical increases. They'll be slow and somewhat predictable. They're just accelerating it a little bit to try to keep up with AMD, but this is not going to cut it. I don't know. What do you think about this? $600 for an 8-core processor? I mean that that's nuts. It, it, I I hope those just. I hope no one buys those. Like, the, the, I I don't even. I don't understand what they're trying to do. Make. I mean, you're right. They're betting that they still have the mind share. Um, I hope they're wrong, and I hope people don't stupidly buy these. Also, just <laughs> looking. Dan coming in hot. Just looking at the so ten. They're releasing ten SKUs across. All of so they're releasing 10 eight core 16 thread processors. Like, what, <laughs> I'm looking, I'm oh, I'm yeah, looking let me look at, at this the, the skew list, and I, I'm having a hard time telling what the difference between them is because the differences are so subtle. I guess the big, the big selling, oh, factor, yeah, between the i7 and to the i9, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, they have a ton of different eight cores. I mean, let's be clear about this. I don't think there should be an i9 this gen. I think they should have just made the top model an i7 for 400 bucks. In a sensible yeah. world, that's what they would do, but they refuse to not have an i9. They refuse to not charge the same price they did for the previous top i9. It's that simple. I'm not saying it makes it's what I would do, but it's what they're doing. The one thing I will say, though, Dan, is I've heard there will be somewhat limited supplies of the i9-11900K because mm. it really is just golden samples. I mean, I guess what it does... So that's what's differentiating them. That really, guys, the i7-11700K will not perform as well as the i9-11900K, at least not at the same power usage. I mean, yeah, I guess it was does have that uh, boost to 5.3 gigahertz. So that's... that's and these are golden samples. Yeah. And in fact, they're okay with that because they know a lot of people won't buy it. Yeah, and I don't know. I, that's an interesting bet, like... I don't know. Will people pay six hundred dollars for an eight core golden sample, or they just buy? What would that be? I mean, the twelve core is cheaper, right? Or uh, yeah, about the, it'll be about the same yeah. price, effectively. So I guess that's an interesting bet they're making. Um, I guess maybe there'll be some benchmark that will come out where they can claim they've clinched the gaming crown once again because there's one or two benchmarks that they beat them in by three percent, but. I really do expect it to be niche, to be honest. Like, I don't expect most games it's going to make any difference. Uh, and their own slides showed a 4% difference in 1080p. I, I, I think it's going to be minuscule. Yes, there will be a couple games where it's more, but I wouldn't be surprised if it lost in a couple games. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm sure it will. Like, that's my point is, uh, all right, so you, I, I guess you have the gaming crown again. You're getting 1080p, you have... 2% more performance on average than AMD's 
uh, $100 cheaper CPU. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, and the only other thing I really have to add to this is it's not 125 watts. I mean, come on. I almost think that's a moot point to bring up. I know TDP isn't power usage, but it's like, it's so different though in this point. This is like a 200 watt chip, guys. Yeah. I, I, they they tried to shove a 10 nanometer design on a 14 nanometer. It It's, it's going to get really hot. Yeah, it, you're right. It, it's just at a certain point. <laughs> Yeah, at a certain point, it's moot to bring it up because they're uh, they've been doing this for so long. You just assume, oh yeah, just add eighty percent to what to their TDP, <laughs> yeah, and that's the actual. It just power gets usage. dumber each time. KJM zero one five writes in and says, with AMD dominating the CPU space in both performance and overall sales for the foreseeable future, do you think motherboard partners that are currently exclusive to Intel, EVGA, and ZXT will start to make AMD boards when AMD when AM five releases? Um, I wouldn't rule it out, and I've heard murmurs in the past of EVGA considering making like Radeon cards. So you can never say never, but. I don't think that they that ever seriously went anywhere. And I think my answer is no. I think that Intel has enough volume that they're just going to stick with Intel probably. I could be wrong about... I could be wrong. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them did, but eh, I don't know. I don't, I, I, for some reason, my gut says no, unless things got absolutely dire with Zen 4. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I don't know. I feel like EVGA does seem to be pretty married to whoever they choose to produce for. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's all of the main stories. Um, we have a decent amount of wrap-ups here. I don't think anything that we need to dwell on super hard. Is there one that really stuck out to you that you want to talk about first? Not really that much. I mean, the first one is um, Google lacked focus and discipline. I, I think... I, I don't know what I want to say about this is it. This is like the leaks, I think, right? From inside Google. Yeah, it's about Google Stadia that they really didn't run a game studio effectively. They wanted they wanted a game studio. They spent money to have a game studio and no one there really drove it forward. There wasn't the leadership necessary to have a good game studio. Yeah, and I guess this just goes into Stadia in general. That's kind of the feeling I've gotten from that entire program. Since not since beta, because I think it was seen as okay in beta, but it's just not a very good service. And I'm gonna be honest does Google need to inject itself in another part of our life? Like, I'm fine with companies not getting becoming all encompassing. Like, I don't know why people were reporting positively on, like, is Google gonna kill consoles? I don't know. I hope not. Does Google need to take over another industry? (laughs) yeah i don't know that's all i had to say about that well that was the top story too so we'll just go in order so i also have your xbox series x and s gain fps boost mode that doubles frame rates in some older games um i don't know how much i'm gonna read of this it's a pretty self-explanatory thing uh they've just added a compatibility frame rate boosting mode to certain engines and titles and I don't, and that's really cool. That's what I, and it's cool for two reasons. Again, guys, this wasn't a thing with previous console gens. You can get anything better. I mean, sometimes you get some updated resolutions with a few games that could support it, but in general, there was nothing there upgrading from going from like an Xbox to a 360 or PS2 to a PS3, let alone having it at all. This is, uh, this is a very cool initiative that 
I'm glad Xbox is doing, and I think should be the standard. And I think it's a little absurd. Sony is I, not doing this. I, I maybe hope, they are, but I hope Sony follows suit. But I'm <laughs> I wouldn't bet money on that. But yeah, it, it, it's a good program. It's cool that they're doing it. And yeah, I do think it's important to point out that um, this is new. It, it's a new good development, but this is new. Like I, I did find it funny just all the all the hubbub about wait so it doesn't even perform better what's going on well this is the first time there's really been any talk of a large scale increase in performance with backwards compatibility yeah well and here's the thing though i i think i brought this up to the other night like how easy it should be for sony to do something similar it should arguably Like, think of it this way. We've already seen, like, NX Gamer do these tests where I think games like Assassin's Creed Unity and The Last Guardian, their day one patches added a frame rate cap. But if you were to have the early disc version of the game, there's no frame rate cap in there. So you can just put that in and not install the patch. And then The Last Guardian just runs 4K60 on PS4 Pro or something. or <laughs> And the... Assassin's Creed Unity can run at around 60 frames most of the time. So, and those are games that were in like forced compatibility mode. So they weren't even running at higher clock speeds than the PS4. And it was giving them like a 50% or doubling of performance just due to the higher IPC and better CPU. I mean, like, so that's no effort and it's boosting. Like, how hard would it be for Sony to just have like 10 people? literally test a bunch of games and write a simple patch that uncaps frame rates, adds a higher resolution, and they just test it for an hour. And there can just be a checkbox that says, I understand there may be bugs. Like, And they could just do like a couple games, a few games at least a week, and over time they add better performance to all of their past, to at least the top the top 100 most popular games. This This is not hard to do. It wouldn't take that many resources. And there's no way they couldn't do this. Uh- yeah, and I hope and wish they would. Uh, I we don't. I don't see any evidence yet that they're yeah. doing it. Maybe, maybe Sony will surprise us though. Well, they're out selling the Xbox two to one, so there's a decent chance they won't feel the need to. But yeah. I, I don't know. I I would hope competition makes them do it. Uh, the The question is if they feel like they have competition right now. Uh, the other one is PSVR two, which there's really nothing here. I saw a lot of people going, "What? It's not coming out this year." And I thought it was funny. People thought Sony would try to sell PSVR two so soon. I think it just makes sense to wait for the first price drop and then try to bundle it in mm-hmm. when things get cheaper. But the, the real big news about PSVR two was I think it uses a single cable. That's I thought good. I saw that in there. I was I, I wasn't expecting it, but I was hoping for wireless. <laughs> Yeah, I was really expecting it. I think that's the, the the like almost with a bullet point something they should be trying to do. And I had heard so, I, there were patents for it too. Yeah. So it kind of lets me down quite a bit, actually. I mean, I'm sure. Look, it's probably try, so they can make the device for. I know that 1440p per eye is still the rumor. So hopefully they do that. 1440p 120 hertz per eye. And my assumption is either there was something wrong. Or they said, you know what? If we don't make this wireless, we can make it a two hundred dollar device, and that's what we need to try to do first. Yeah, because at the end of the day, Sony, so Sony is trying to be like the low entry point option, low price entry point option for VR, 
And frankly, I, I'm glad they're there because I'm not spending a thousand dollars on like a Vive. I guess <laughs> I guess there's the um, Oculus Go, which I think is only like three hundred. But I don't know. VR isn't completely there for me. Maybe it will be with PSVR two. We'll see. So another story I have to mention here is the 3090 blower coolers. Like a, a lot of different AIBs were making blower versions of the 3090. They've all been discontinued. And the reason I have to bring this up, a lot of people will go, wait, they made blower versions of a 350 watt plus card. How the heck did that work? The answer is it didn't apparently, <laughs> which I find funny. They even launched it. Cause it's like, so what did they not test this? But I've actually got one of my best sources told me, I'm like, it's like, well, I mean, this doesn't surprise me. Are there any details? And he's like, they were like almost universally running at 110 degrees. Jesus. I, that does make you... How how did that even pass any form of validation, though? It makes you wonder. Because I would assume they just clock it like 10% lower and say, yeah, it's weaker or something. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it might need to be more than 10% lower if you want it to not be as hot as an oven. But yeah, so I just thought you guys would like to know that it was bad, though, according to some people that work with AIVs. Like, bad. <laughs> it wasn't just like, oh, it ran hot. It was bad. Um, otherwise, let me see. We got more Zen code names, Ryzen, you know, Phoenix. I don't think I need to dwell on that. More code names for APUs. Zen 496 cores is a new rumor that came out. I honestly haven't had time to look into it, although I've been told this guy, well, I don't. I can't say much besides this is a guy you maybe listen to. <laughs> um, and, uh, I think, you know, just right there, people are like, well, why are you saying Sapphire Rapids will be good? I'm like, well, it's going to be good versus what they had before. And Sapphire Rapids from Intel may even beat Zen 3. But what I'm seeing, 96 core Zen 4, probably 30% higher IPC. That looks like that would crush Sapphire Rapids. Except I'm sure there will be some tasks where Intel wins. So I think it's, you know, it's been a busy week. We're tired. I don't think we have time to go through all of that, especially when I, again, I think I... Personally, don't think it's news. I was expecting 96 cores from Zen 4 for a year. Yeah. Like, is anyone else not expecting that? I I didn't really expect them to double core counts either because I don't think they need to. I think they should focus on IPC more. So, but we have to mention it. Yeah. And then, I don't know, Tiger Lake 8 core SKUs officially revealed. Again, just bring it up because there happened. it is. <laughs> yeah. And Intel lost a court case, but I'm tired, Dan. I don't have time to go through all that. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's. Is there anything else from the week you wanted to talk about? Um, I don't know. Do you want to address the uh, BS accusations? <laughs> yeah, you're talking about the shit being thrown at me on Twitter by Red Gaming Tech and Cortex. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the truth of the matter is, I don't want to address it. Like, literally, I, I just spent hours putting out an analysis video hours putting this podcast together, recording it with you. I'll be launching it one day later. And on Sunday, I put out a video on a two-hour live stream. So the, and, and I've got a huge guest coming up. It's locked in stone. Guys, listening to this podcast, look for the telegrams on Thursday evening. You're going to have some questions for my guest, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so that's what I've been doing this week. And so I don't want to address this. I don't have the time. Like, I'm working on a Z-Leak. I'm working on 
actually an interesting idea for a video about something that I, I'm going to call the RX 6490. Like I'm working on so many projects with guests. I'm talking to Hardware Unboxed. I've got other guests. I might be able to have a Microsoft Azure engineer working on Xbox series, uh, SOCs and stuff like that. Like I'm working on talking to a lot of people and I'm busy. So I don't want to have to deal with this shit. I have like a few thoughts. It's like, one, I... Because it's hard for me to talk, right? Because, I, I, yeah, I don't know what you... In your third party, what do you think about all of this? Okay, so first I'll say, I lived with you for three months. I saw you making videos on a daily basis. What you weren't doing was watching Cortex and Red Gaming Tech videos to make your videos. And I'm not leveling any accusation against them either. I don't think that's what they're doing either. Uh, two... Um, the basis that these people now have for what stealing content is, is if you make a video that is in a, any way at all about a subject that they covered in a video in the past week, it seems if you, if someone releases a video that you're stealing their content, I made that joke to you. So they stole your content, red gaming tech, Tom, and I'm not actually accusing him in case he wants to get mad on Twitter again. I'm not literally accusing him of stealing your content because I don't think he did. But, <laughs> but, but I put out a leak, right, he, of the price of the 6700 XT on Sunday. The next day he did. So do I accuse him of stealing? No, you, I would say you wouldn't because I think you guys, how many products are being covered in the, in the hardware industry at any given time? There's AMD, who has CPUs and GPUs, Intel, who has CPUs, NVIDIA, who has C uh, GPUs. Uh, all of that, all of those. <laughs> and the courts might stop them from having CPUs. <laughs> all, yeah. <laughs> all of those. So NVIDIA has like 10 products you're currently covering. AMD has like 20 products. We're not like 10 products you're currently covering. Intel has like 20 products we're currently covering. So you don't think there's going to be some overlap in the subjects that are being covered? Really? You don't think they're, especially when, I don't know if people have noticed this, but leaks tend to come out in waves for some reason. It's almost like new information becomes available and then the usual leaker, the usual people that uh, leak stuff to uh, leakers or tech channels go out and tell people. It's almost like there's a wave of information that tends to come out. And this is a, I don't know, some type of what news cycle. I think I've heard that term used before, a news cycle. I think that's what those are called. <laughs> so it's like, I, I don't know what you want to call stealing content at this point, because if your threshold for stealing content is somebody has 6,700 XT in a video within a week that you have it, then all content is stolen, all of it. And I did videos talking about, I, I didn't watch Cortex's latest video. I didn't. Uh, I did content talking about every, um, pretty much everything I saw in there, except for the 6950 XTX that doesn't exist. <laughs> I could accuse him by, and I saw people pointing this out, you know, that I could accuse him of stealing everything he talked about in that video based on multiple videos I'd done a month before. But I, I, frankly, I try to assume the best in people. So I have nothing else to say about this. I'm disgusted at this. Yeah, I don't know where this comes from. I don't know what makes someone do this. But at the very least, what you can say objectively is it's not productive for their fans. So I don't know why they bothered to do it over and over. And it just feels like all of this effort I put in 
to try to bring out content week after week, and then I have to deal with these baseless accusations. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, all my point is, is I've never stolen people's information. It's absurd, the things I've been accused of. And the reason you don't see me fighting back on Twitter is because I'm busy actually working. And to the fans, I don't know. It just feels like we're under siege constantly now. And I, I guess maybe that's just a part of becoming a decent-sized channel. I wouldn't even call us big. I don't know what you establish as big, but... Support us if you want to, you know, because we really do need the support when you have to deal with this just complete mudslinging. Yeah. And, and I'm done. I'm done with it. It's just block and move on from now on. Yeah. And that's my my two cents. I don't want to talk about it again. I get mad talking about it. I don't like being mad. Um, <laughs> but just think about when you just start throwing shit because it's it is never worth it. Because ultimately, and I think that's just honestly good advice to anyone. Ultimately, the best you're doing when you do it is you're shooting someone in the knee twice to shoot yourself once. That's the best case scenario for you when you start shit. Yeah, and and from my perspective, it'd be like I was working on a video, I get shot in the knee, and I'm just like, oh god, now I got to put this tourniquet on while I try to render this video. Yeah, because that's what it's been like to me. But it's just becoming so much. I, I don't know. Honestly, I'm done talking about it. I did feel the need to address it this one time and just say, I'm not addressing this crap anymore, guys. I think it's obvious how much, to my fans, at least how much effort I put into this. I've never stolen from anyone. And I am, again, I feel betrayed. Yeah. And it's gross. And I don't know what makes people act that way. All right, Dan, on a lighter note, shall we get to the final reader mails? Yeah. All right, so Brandon writes in and says, has there been any whispers of a possible Zen 3 Plus on AM4 X570? I'm about to jump in on one of these 5800X listings that keeps coming up on AMD's website, and I want to buy the best I can on this platform. Last in stock lasted more than a day. Um, you know, I, I think, I don't know if I've, I, th I feel like I've answered this type of question about a dozen times recently. Um, I, I, what I would say is, yes, I, there is, I believe there is a Zen 3 Plus, but I, I honestly haven't paid that much attention to it in the last month. And I think it's just, obviously, you don't even need a source. It's going to be either on AM4 or on AM5. On AM5 with DDR5 support to combat Alder Lake. And either way, I wouldn't wait. Yeah, I, I upgrade when you need to upgrade. I think if you have a 5800X and that's your the ultimate CPU you have in that motherboard, you'll be happy with it for a pretty long time. Um, okay, Metal Shark writes in and says, DDR5 cast latency seems awfully high with a large nanosecond latency when frequency is taken into account. Far higher than some entry-level 3200 MHz DDR4 kits. Is this a temporary issue or one that will remain due to ECC, higher speeds? Honestly, when I've, I've pushed these DDR5 kits past some people that work in server and even just people that work at OEMs like Dell, they're like, no, we expect more performance out of this even with the higher latency in most, even in most games. So I would say it's a trade-off. DDR5 has other benefits to it besides that that should compensate for the latency. But also, it is somewhat of a short temporary issue. We've seen this with every DDR For, launch yeah. where you know, early DDR4 was was worse than fast DDR3. Yeah, and that, uh, that's it seems to be a usual growing pain and latency is pretty much always higher, especially in early models. Yeah. 
Crispy Bacon writes in and says, listening to Broken Silicon 86, game devs doing nonsense like Cyberpunk 2077 are the exact reason gamers should fully support physical game sales. They are able to return a physical copy much easier than a digital copy. Just want to point that out as a silver lining for physical game purchases. Yeah, but you can return it within the first hour on Steam. It's first two hours on Steam, too. First two hours, yeah. okay. Which, that's enough time to give you a decent feel for how a game works. I mean, especially with a game like Cyberpunk 2077, where it seems like it crashes constantly. <laughs> but I don't know. It, I guess it's a, it is a an argument in favor of getting stuff, di- uh, not digitally, getting stuff physically when you can, especially when certain, uh, when certain stores, I think like Sony specifically, has a pretty obtuse uh, rules about returning games, which... Sometimes it's forever, sometimes you just can't. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they'll consider addressing that, given the fiasco with Cyberpunk. I think there's some validity to what he's saying, though, and I would say that's why some companies are trying to kill physical discs, by the way, so that they can retain better profits. But yeah. something to worry about. Willie Ram writes in and says, in the last Broken Silicon episode, you suggested we have to choose between higher price games and free games with microtransactions. I think this is a false choice. Ubisoft is leading the charge by having fully priced games full of microtransactions. And so is EA and Blizzard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that always pisses me off when I see that. I can't remember which one it was. It was one of the Call of Duty games where they had they had like every monetization mode possible in the game. There were loot boxes. There was a subscription as- service aspect to it. There was, and it was still a seventy. Oh, it might have been Black Ops Four, the one that didn't have a campaign too. Oh, <laughs> no, okay. also a sixty dollars game. That thing was ridiculous. I, I don't know what to say. You just, you guys, you got to vote with your wallets. And sometimes it feels like we're being outvoted, but other times, I don't know. I think I see some really successful single player games lately. At least on console and and on PC to a certain extent, and some of them do run well, and they do make a lot of money. And I don't know. That's all you can do is reward the right companies. Yeah, and there has definitely been pushback recently. Doctor Deep writes in and says, "Tom, I know the sixty eight hundred XT is a smart buy. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know that I think that. But I can't find an AIB partner that either sells a card with a water block attached to it or warranties self replacement. XFX does kind of, but they only provide a two year warranty, and you have to contact them to notify them of the modification before you do it. <laughs> That's funny. EVGA, for example, explicitly allows modification and offers a five year extended warranty. Asus also has a pre blocked offering for the 3080, but not for any AMD cards. The GPU space, they seem to be getting the same level of AIB buy-in that they are with the first-gen Ryzen motherboards. Is AMD doing anything to improve the quality of their AIB's partner offerings? I would say at least officially their offerings, because you could make the argument that, you know, if you broke something trying to fix it, you can probably get away with sending it back. Not that I'm suggesting you do that, but, you know, I, I don't know. I think that, yeah, there's a bit of that. I mean, I- NVIDIA, let's face it, it's not like Intel, but they did have the top performance crown since. I mean, you could argue Kepler, maybe, or Fermi, and AMD only came in every now and then. Like, they've kind of been able to make the strongest graphics card at least every two years for a while there. And then just from Maxwell till now, they've always had the strongest card. So they've kind of had that overclocking partnership with EVGA that warranted this type of, you know, service. And AMD hasn't for a very long time. Yeah, and that that is a niche in the market that uh, they're not addressing. And yeah, I don't know. that. 
that will hurt sales to some extent and <laughs> unless some AIBs start making a water block attachment. Um, okay. And then finally, Doomberry writes in and says, Tom and Dan, you've been talking a lot about how bad the do-it-yourself PC market is getting and how there's little hope of getting better soon. But I want to add to this discussion. You see, I recently decided to buy the new Asus Zephyrus G15, specs are below, and cover some of the costs by selling my do-it-yourself PC parts with Zen Plus and Vega 56. Laptop hasn't arrived yet. This goes without saying, but that laptop is an attractive machine. It. Let me see what it is it have. Okay, so it's got a 3080 Max Q and a three-year... Okay, so it's probably, yeah, it's stronger than your device for sure, your <laughs> yes. Vega 56. This goes without saying, but the laptop is an attractive machine. It's light enough to be carried around, powerful enough to play AAA games at 1440p, 60 maxed out. It looks fine. It's got a nice uh, 1440p, 165 hertz screen, and other aspects of the build are good too. I tried comparing by quickly estimating the cost of a new do-it-yourself PC with equivalent gaming performance plus a monitor to the G15, and it came out to about a 30% markup. This is entirely reasonable, I think, to pay an extra 30% for this laptop as laptops have to deal with different thermal constraints and they have more utility because they're portable. Overall, laptop prices look almost unaffected by the current situation. It seems like a much better market to spend money in now and in the future, possibly. That's exactly what I decided to do. The software will cover all my needs for the next three to five years. Yeah, it's been something I've been suggesting could happen if things continue to get more and more crazy. Yeah, and it looks like a good laptop. What did he say he paid for it? 2400 USD. So... It's basically probably around 3070, a little, maybe 3060 Ti performance. You're definitely paying a markup there. But yeah, it comes with a high ref- a super high refresh 1440p monitor. Yeah, and it, that's good. That's easily good enough to be a desktop replacement. If you just have a dock, you can just plug it into your dock at home and oh, no, you're, now your laptop is in a desktop mode. Uh, so. And let me see this this laptop that he's talking about. He has a link to it. What's the one I have? Uh, yeah, but this one comes with a 3080 Max Q. Well, yeah, it's the same. Um, it's the same. Don't, isn't yours 14 inch? Yes, it is. So this is the 15 inch version of yours. That's still really impressive. What they could. I know it's a Max Q. I know it's probably around a 3060 Ti in performance. But god dang, that's portable for console level performance. Yeah. I mean, and it comes with a high refresh monitor. It is impressive. It it is a good example of how crazy things are getting. Yeah, and I, this isn't. A, I, I don't think I would say this is enough. Where everybody that is in DIY should just be switching over to laptop, but it's a compelling enough argument. Where I think a decent enough number of people that build desktops should consider this instead. <laughs> almost. Yeah, I don't have anything else to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's maybe good that we had a literal example provided by a listener. Um, So, I mean, I guess that's it. You know, it was a fully featured episode. I think we definitely drilled into some more specific subjects really in depth on this one. Anything else you want to talk about, Dan? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, all I will say is that, again, if you're listening to this, Check out who the next guest is. Remember to use your Patreon features to ask questions to the guests. Remember that patrons get access to early ad-free versions of Broken Silicon every week. The entire back catalog of Die Shrinks, where you guys vote on different subjects to go through. And that's just an exclusive podcast there for patrons that comes out every other week. Then there are exclusive drops and other ad-free content that drops every other week in between the Die Shrinks as well. There's exclusive drops every week in addition to... There's all this stuff that we're working on right now 
for like gaming servers potentially too. And the Discord is such a great place to discuss the latest stuff. Like we just did a live chat with everyone in the Discord with just the patrons during the AMD reveal. So remember, all of that stuff is there for you. You just want to give us, again, it's like $2 a month. So what is that? A cup of coffee for me and Dan each a month. If you are watching... And Dan, we drink too much coffee. So, well, so so I guess we drink too much coffee. So you should definitely help us pay for it because we waste too much money on it. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's to get you all this content. And if you're enjoying, mul- that's the way I put it: multiple pieces of content a month. I mean, just four dollars or two dollars, depending on what you can afford, or ten or twenty, whatever you can afford. That's all we ask. It's you so much more and better ways of even viewing the content you already watch. So just remember that's out there. Remember to share our content. We do appreciate you. If you're not on the Patreon, of course. I mean, God, there's tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that listen to our content and watch our content every week that aren't on the Patreon. So thank you to all those people. Remember to share it. Remember, it's a podcast. Subscribe to Broken Silicon on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher so we go up the charts, baby, and Spotify. And uh, leave us a review if you have the time. I don't know. Anything else to plug, Dan? I mean, we have merch. I don't want to be one of those merch guys, though. It's on there. Yeah, no. I'm not telling you not to buy the merch. Like, I put time into making it. But it's there. Yeah, but but it's not like I'd rather you just join the page. Yeah. Do you know what you should do? Join the Patreon, buy all of our merch, and then just send us free cars there. That's what you should do. Yeah, do that. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. The following podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Laws Dead. Moore's Laws Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law's Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, Moore's Law's Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother, Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, and select technical editing by Carbon Cry. You can find all of our information, including how to get a hold of us, at www.moreslawsdead.com. And if you are a fan and would like to send mail or other hardware, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead, P.O. Box 10468, Peoria, Illinois, 61612. And speaking of fans, without exaggeration, the patrons are responsible for the continued distribution of the content you just listened to. And so if you have some extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast, Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon, Die Shrink, and Loose Ends, and of course, the Moore's Law is Dead Discord full of like-minded people who would love to meet you. I am one of them. And at higher tiers, you get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the back catalog of Flyover States podcast, thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts and other perks as well. And if you cannot afford to support us, please just share Moore's Law is Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media and Reddit. And give Broken Silicon and Flyover States a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All of this really does help so much more than I think anyone realizes. If you'd like to advertise on the podcast or a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its fans supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels.
Matthew McMullen, Telos, GUK, Benny Berlin, Justin Yant, Thomas Rupp, I love you, Lynn Jim, Ivan K, Tom Bailey, Muhammad Al-Khwari, Frederick Loud, James Crasset, Justin Pierce, Zachary Martin, Terrence Herod, Brad Medlin, Phil S., Courtney Elliott, The Ninth Dude, Greg Renegard, Josh Law, JBG, Travis Gooding, The Mechanical Philosopher, Lebo Kinkilo, Fatboy Deseru, Daniel Hyde, Burt Garcia, Tara Reed, Jack O'Neill, Matt Salem, Aaron Close, Juan Garcia, Sean Balmer, My Name Is Nobody, Joel Corey, Alethros, Telos, Hey There's a Kitty, Greg T. Wontek, Ivan214, John Jameson, Benjamin Cannon, Matthew Lane, Divider Symbol, Jan Rauner, Robert Duck, Street of Full, Allie Robertson, Al Eric Jackson, Jonathan, Patrick Grow, Evan Dingle, Dominique Cox, Stefan, Original Ross, HardForeRoom.com, Sam MacArthur's Total Silo, Sol Connor, Michael Costa, Andrew S., Blake, Aaron Keith, Carrie Baldino, Endless Loggins, Tom Sanfilippo, Justice Brennan, Viking Arch, Trevor Power, Stu, Elenia, Nanyan, Daniel Nishpal, Franco Frederick, Hardware Numbers, Alex Carasteel, Dark Rain 2049, Lane Perry, Joseph Caraman, Carlos Valdez, Carnivore Bear, Lucas, Zaber Z. Burrs, Leakey, Martin Porsegi, David Cowden, Ricky Tan, Garanadin, Patrick J.S., Justin Staples, Freddie Canoas Jr., Christopher Foster, Kiwi Phil, DeHoo Who, Sarah Light, Anthony Gareffa, Matthew Griffin, Alex, Joseph Loria, Luis Correa, Deke, Cheesy Ramen, Raul Ebeneni, Tim Robbins, Jake Dude, 23, Brian Riggleman, Chris Williams, Ryan Dennison, Dave McCoy, Falcom Alev, Gabe Landier, David Marcos Gomez, Morton Svensson, Andrew Thomas Summers, Maurice Courtois, Matthew J. Link, Scott Ruff Schneider, My Sharona, Aaron Roman, Jacob Stankowitz, Jack Pym, Wakir Khan, Eshildar Epstein, Stephen Hart, Christopher A. Butler, Greg, Peter Moore, Chris Lakata, Justin Thomas, Sam Miller, Sammy Malas, Kevin Chen, Shakir, Nick Raycon, Holden Mobley, Matthew Lazier, Arpit Sharma, Meat and Pork, Jimmy NG, Mads Beachhorn, Benjamin O'Shlee, and Jijits, or however you say that name. <laughs> and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music. <laughs> 